Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Two special guests for you tonight. Let me introduce Kat Eckhart first, an electric witch, medium, expert seance host. She's a passionate about spirit communication, meditation, adventuring out of doors in search of naturally liminal spaces. She hosts seances with her husband, Dan, whom you'll meet in a moment, providing mediumship readings, educating on the occult. She has devoted her life's work in pursuit of communing with a living, active universe and creating mystical experiences for others. Hello, Kat. Welcome to the program. Hi, I'm glad to be here. Looking forward to this, and let's bring your husband, Dan, in. Dan, too, is a psychic medium, occultist, expert seance host. He loves interesting stories on communications, on spirits, magic, ritual workings, and the ways in which the occult has influenced every life. He hosts seances with Cat, performing psychic readings and enjoying lectures on all things related to the occult. And here he is. Hello, Daniel. Well, hello, George. How are you? Looking forward to this. Who was the psychic medium first, you or Cat? <laughs> well, I grew up in a haunted house, but I didn't share that with anyone. Cat uh, was the one who independently confirmed it when we were dating. Interesting. What was that like, Cat? Oh, well, it was a really astonishing experience. I came to his childhood home about nine years ago, I think. And I went into his room and I turned around and I saw a dark, tall, shadow-like entity. And that was the first time I've ever seen anything that could qualify as paranormal. And I was, I was scared at first. I looked away and when I looked back, it wasn't there in the same way, but I could still feel its presence. So I told Dan about this not knowing anything. Um, not knowing what he would think or that he had this history of a haunted house. And that kind of set me along on that journey to learning more about the paranormal. And Dan, since you've been doing how long have you, you two been doing this now? Oh, goodness. Um, well, really, it started that day. Uh, once Kat said, I saw this thing, I thought, my God, I'm not alone anymore. Uh, this is real. It's not uh, It's not something I'm hallucinating or not something that's coming from a, a very uh, dark place like, um, you know, demons or something. It's, a, it's a, some kind of spirit or some kind of um, paranormal experience. And so that started our journey. It was a uh, joint uh, investigation into not only what do these things mean, but how do we interact with them. And do you specialize, both of you, in mediumships or seances? Which, uh, which do you specialize in? Well, it's funny you ask that, um, because we, we understand the distinction, but for us, we've always viewed the seance as a ritual act. Uh, while it has a history, certainly, with the spiritualist movement and the spiritist movement in the United States and Europe, um, we believe the seance is open for everyone, and it's a ritual of intent. So it can be very powerful for mediums. Kat and I obviously have a very um, connected experience with mediumship and with the beyond. But individuals who say, you know, I'm not a medium, I've never had messages from beyond, when they come to a seance, 
they're not just simply receiving messages from us. They're actively experiencing the phenomenon. They're reporting being touched. They're reporting having voices that aren't their own inside their head. They're getting messages through the spirit board or through automatic writing. Uh, so it's a, it's a complicated question with gradients of each, I suppose. And Ken, what is an electric witch? What is that? Um, an eclectic witch is a witch who doesn't have a specific discipline. Um, so I kind of love to pull things from druidry, chaos magic, new thought, and other like occult sort of disciplines or practices. Do you do curses? <laughs> no, I have never had the reason to do a curse. How about spells? Spells, yes. And uh, what kind of spells do you do? Mostly I just work with um, sigil working, which is a way of sort of creating or manifesting something in the world through um, encapsulating your intention with a symbol that you create. So it's very, it's generally very simple, and that's what I like about a lot of magical working mm -hmm. is that they're very accessible, very simple ways for you to gain more power in your own life. And uh, Dan, tell us how you two started into seances. Yeah, absolutely. So once we kind of threaded the needle on understanding that these things that were happening, um, and when I say things that were happening, I'm referring, of course, to growing up in a haunted house, because I had no real pr pre uh, preference or framework for that. Um, Frankly, I had a lot of experiences that felt like very alien, uh, dreams about visitations in the night, things looking in the window, shadowy figures in the room. And of course, whenever the History Channel was on, they were doing, at the time I was growing up, and probably still today, wall-to-wall -wall alien coverage. Oh, yeah. And so I, I was very interested, but it was terrifying. I couldn't look away, right? Like, I don't want to know, but this is so in my framework, in my life. Um, once I realized that, uh, and I want to be clear, I don't think I've had an experience with aliens or extraterrestrials terrestrial, as we would qualify them. Um, I think it was very much just uh, becoming aware of spirit, becoming aware of the spirit world. So once we kind of threaded that needle, um, the seance became a working for Kat and I of how to achieve communication with the beyond without taking on the moniker of medium. That happened later. Um, after we worked with the spirit world for a while and became operant in magic, then we said, oh, well, I guess we're mediums, because literally hmm. that's what a medium is. It's a connection to this world by which the spirit can communicate. So the seance work started very early. Publicly, though, it's only been in the last few years, because there's a, a certain responsibility we have once you bring these things and open them up to people to come and attend. Tell us how you set up your seances with Kat. How do you, how do you go about it? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, well, the first thing that's important for us is to create an experience for individuals where they don't have to be afraid. There's a lot of fear around seances. There's a lot of misinformation around seances. Oh, yeah. Sure. I think when we think of the seance, we think of the Conjuring movies or horror films, or we think of uh, Houdini and fraud. And while those are particular uh, pieces of the puzzle, it's not a holistic picture. 
So the first thing Kat and I do are protections for ourselves and for our guests and to clear the space. And that happens before our guests even arrive. And then once they're with us, uh, we go through some grounding exercises with them and then open up the lines of communication with everyone. So we'll start with some pendulum working and let people see the way in which pendulums interact with the spirit world and provide answers to their questions. And then we might move into something like a glass moving or a spirit board, which is simply a, um, a version of a Ouija board session yeah. where a glass moves on a table uh, to various tarot cards. And we use that to provide readings. And then we'll move into automatic writing, um, trance sessions, and finally channeled messages where we open the floor for both Cat and I to receive and to share with our guests but also the guests as well, because they'll receive messages and we want to open that up to everyone as a shared experience. When they, were, when they receive the messages, Dan, do you have to interpret them for them? Uh, no, no, we don't. Sometimes, uh, it's funny, sometimes the, the messages will come in fractured form. So one person will have something like, oh, I'm just getting this name Robert. I'm getting this name Robert over and over again. And I don't know a Robert. And someone across the room will go, oh, my God, Robert's my father. <laughs> passed away last or year. 10 people say Robert's this. <laughs> exactly. So sometimes it's fractured, but most of the time it's very specific and very clear to the person. And those are the ones um, which we feel are most compelling. But we always tell people, don't, um, don't dismiss connection with the spirit world because it may very well be connection. And we don't want to uh, overlook that simply because it's not how we expected it to look. And Kat, uh, when you're doing these seances, are you two in total darkness eventually? Uh, no, we generally don't do any seances in total darkness. Um, we find that it's very disconcerting for people. Yes, you're right. And you're right. Yes, and, and disorienting as well. When you have total darkness, people kind of um, lose the senses that they need in order to sort of stay calm. And our seance is we want people to feel safe. We want people to feel like they can explore the beyond safely with us. So generally, we just have sort of low lighting, candlelight. Uh, we use red light sometimes. Um, and we do these things to make our guests feel like they have the power. They have the control in this situation. Because we know when we're doing things like seances or investigating the paranormal, our expectations really shape how our experience pans out. So we want people to go into it having, knowing that they're going to be safe, knowing that we're going to take care of them, and knowing that they can have permission to have this experience. I went to a seance once, and it was in total darkness, and I just got the impression that there was some kind of fraud going on. <laughs> no, exactly. And I don't want to speak to that experience uh, because there are, and Kat and I have attended seances in total darkness. That, that are legit. Things. They're legit. Yeah. Yeah. But for us, we feel that, like you said, it raises too many questions and uh, it doesn't make people feel comfortable. Being in, a, uh, being in a dark space, and Kat and I have done some cave diving and spelunking, so we know a lot about total darkness. It can be a pretty hair-raising experience, even if it's totally benign. So we like to leave that light there. It's just reassuring. Tell us about these spirit encounters, Dan, that you have had. 
Have they all been friendly or some not? Uh, some were very unfriendly in terms of that childhood experience. But as Kat said, I think we do bring a lot to the spirit world and to the ways in which spirit manifests. So um, I sometimes wonder if spirit co-creates with us. For example, when we've been now uh, in the corona age holding seances in a Zoom platform or in a digital space, we've noticed weird uh, moments where there are uh, indescribable shadows or blobs or figures moving from Zoom window to Zoom window. And it's, in, it's, it's totally wild. Uh, it sounds crazy to even share it, but it's true. We see these things. And I always wonder, why couldn't the spirits have manifested on the other side of the camera? It's almost as if they want to be seen, as if they need to be seen as part of their, uh, part of their existence. But since moving into a framework where we do take a lot of protection, we do find that the spirit encounters are generally very, very friendly. Uh, ancestors and spirits generally want your highest possible good. They genuinely want to support you, uh, much in the same way that um, parents or grandparents, generally speaking, want to see their kids go off and do amazing things. Uh, they generally, genuinely may sometimes be mystified at the choices we make. They might not be their choices, but they still do support us. Uh, one of my favorite uh, occultists, Gordon White, says that ancestors are um, some of the best luck magic we have. And I do, I do firmly believe that. Kat, have you ever had a bad seance experience? I've not had a bad seance experience. I've had... Um... I think some entity come in and want to disrupt it before. Um, it is rare because we do do the protections sure. and we generally clear the space first. Um, but there was one time where I was experiencing some back pain, um, which I experienced spirit in my body first. I've got clairsentience first. Um, and so I said that aloud. I try to uh, communicate as much with people as possible, and someone else there said that she also was experiencing back pain in the same place, and that's the kind of thing that I hate to hear. So immediately I had to, okay, the spirit needs to leave, and I dismissed the spirit, and then it was able to be overcome, and we're able to have other positive spirit interactions, but it's that kind of thing, like at the seance, facilitator as a seance host. You need to be the one to take control of the situation. Well, with Kat and Dan Eckhart, next hour we're going to take phone calls with them. And I understand, Dan, you'll do some readings? Yes, absolutely. Um, we're happy to do some readings, and I would encourage your listeners, if they have any questions about the future, about uh, things they need answers to, to ask us. Uh, we've actually been covered in the press for our accurate predictions. Yes, you have. Future. What is the death positivity movement? Um, that is a movement towards destigmatizing death. So in our culture right now, um, we tend to not want to talk about it. We don't have a culture of freely encountering what it would mean for us to die, um, to encounter grief. That's more of an individual, more of a private thing. And to actually do the work that needs to be done to prepare for your own death, like funeral process and many other things. 
So the death positivity movement is all about um, destigmatizing that so that we can have those conversations and so that we don't think of death as this great fearful thing. Dan, you mentioned Harry Houdini. He was obsessed with mediums, wanted to communicate desperately with his dead mother, but uh, kept coming across fraud after fraud after fraud drove him crazy. Has science yeah, gotten involved in any of this yet? Oh, there's actually quite a bit of um, research on psi phenomena, uh, less so on mediumship, but there is some research on mediumship, which has been really illuminated, uh, showing different portions of the brain being utilized during uh, mediumistic activity, during uh, seance, during uh, ritual sessions. Um, I hope that as we move forward, the science might show more and more uh, verification and validation for mediums, but it's uh, something that's a slow process. Uh, Dr. Jack Hunter recently published an excellent anthropological book on specifically physical mediumship, which we highly recommend. And um, that kind of anthropological look at mediumship, I think, is one of the best ways to approach it currently, which is simply to look at, observe, see these practices in their context and in their space without trying to jump immediately to a materialistic solve or prove, but then also apply the science as we know it. So right now, the research currently stands as showing something is happening. Uh, a different region of the brain is lighting up. Uh, mediums seem to be about 60 to 80% accurate given the various methodologies used in studies, um, hewing closer to 60 to 70%. But um, we don't know the exact mechanism for that yet, whether it's uh, something that's physiological or something that's spiritual. No, we don't. But will you ever get those answers? I certainly hope so, because it would it would go a long way in destigmatizing that process of this life, the next, beyond, and psi phenomena. Like these things are very um, they're very much part of the human experience. Humanity's been trying to communicate with spirit and with the departed since time began. Uh, it's something that we long for. So uh, it would be it would be a very very affirming to have some sort of materialistic proof of, oh, yes, there is, a, there is a, a valid scientific justification for this. What is your website, Daniel? TheEckharts.com. Simple as that. E-C-K-H-A-R-T. S, yes. S.com. We've got that linked up for you at coasttocoastam.com. What's it like being married to a witch? <laughs> Well, she has to put up with me, um, and I think we're both equally strange. I love it. But uh, it's, it's always a lot of fun because we never, we never quite know exactly what the other person is going to be suggesting in terms of ritual or in terms of where we want to go with our next uh, seance or working. Um, it's always a little surprising. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.